Praise God. We're continuing anyway with uh, our series on apocalyptic literature. Is that alright? Prophetic symbols in the language of God. And uh, this is actually the part 8 on this series that we're dealing with. I'm not sure if you're current or following whatever it is. But now we want to deal with one word that is very, very uh, common and that um, invoke a kind of thought, feelings, fear, dread in a way in the heart of men. And actually it should be so. But we want to deal with the word, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. What do we mean when you read the scriptures, talk about the day of the Lord. What do we really mean? What is he talking about? Hallelujah. That's what we want to examine this evening. The day of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, to start with any time, 80% in quotes. Now get this right. There is what we call the day of the Lord and there is what we call the Lord's day. But we're dealing with the day of the Lord. What I'm saying that is, you find that Paul, I mean, John was in the lost day. And he got the book of Revelation. Alright? But when you talk about the day of the Lord, what do you really mean? Now, in true interpretation of that word, the day of the Lord, you are talking about the destruction of nations. By the power of God walking through human agencies. When you talk about the day of the Lord, you are talking of a kind of destruction of nations or a nation by the power of God walking through human agencies or armies. God uses people to execute that day. And so I'm going to give you some scriptures and some passages as well to enable you to understand what I've just said. Alright? So when you hear the day of the Lord is coming, it's not the day of rapture in the usage of scriptures. Amen? Okay. This is very much uh, a very important symbol or phrase that is uh, used many times in the Bible. And it refers basically to an impending doom, a time of trouble, a time of destruction. And it's God that is actually doing it, using human agencies to execute this day. Especially against people or nations that are actually committing what I would rather call apostasies before God. Falling away from God and God wants to bring a kind of judgment upon them. Um, most often it is used to refer to the destruction of the nation of Israel. Again, it can be used for other pagan nations, but more for God's people, especially in the Old Testament. And this is what I'm going to make you see uh, from the world. We're going to start from Isaiah 13. Isaiah chapter 13, and then we'll look at verse 6 and verse 9 of Isaiah 13. Let me read from the NIV. This is what it says. Well, when you say well, it's like saying cry. For the day of the Lord is near. Are you there? It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Isaiah 13. Are we together? Verse 9 says, See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day, with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. Did you get that? Hallelujah. Now, if you go back to verse 1, this is what you see. Verse 1 of Isaiah 13. It says, This is the vision of God shown Isaiah, son of Amos, concerning Babylon's doom. Did you get that? 
This is the vision of God. Other translations say the burden of the Lord. Concerning Babylon's doom. So the Babylon's doom or the destruction of Babylon is connected to that world, the day of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise the living God. Okay. If I have to take out the translation, let me read it from the Living Bible. I want to read from verse 6. Living Bible. It says, scream in terror. For the lost time has come. The word time there is the same thing as the lost day or the day of the Lord, like we're looking at. Is that okay? The time for the Almighty to crush you. Your armies lie paralyzed with fear, verse 7. The strongest heart melts, verse 8. And all our faith here grips you with terrible pangs like those of a woman in labor. You look at one another helpless as the flames of the burning city reflect upon your pale faces. Verse 9, for see the day of the Lord is coming. The terrible day of his wrath and fierce anger. The land shall be destroyed and all the sinners with it. The heavens will be black above thee. No light will shine from stars or sun or moon. Living Bible. Did you get that? So when you say the day of the Lord, you're talking about the time of judgment or destruction of particular people to which the world was sent. Hallelujah. Are we, did you find it there? Good. I, I want you to be very sure and I want you to see for yourself from the scripture so that you can apply this particular phrase, or when you come across it as you're reading the word, you should be able to know who God is talking to at one point in time and whether such a thing has come to be or not. So it's not a matter of somebody just blowing a trumpet and saying, The day of the Lord is coming, judgment is coming. You need to find out who God is talking to. Amen. So this passage I will just read. Is a burden or the oracle meaning it's a warning. It's a prophetic warning against the land of Babylon. Is that alright? But it's referred to as what? The day of the Lord. So you get that right. It's referred to as the day of the Lord. Praise the living God. Now, how will God accomplish this day of his on Babylon? Okay, let us go to verse 14 down to 17. 14 down to 17 of the same Isaiah 13. God of self, this is a doom day for Babylon. This is going to be what I want to do and bring destruction to the city and bring destruction to the people. But how is God going to do that? Look at that. Are we there in verse 14? The armies of Babylon will run until exhausted, fleeing back to their own land like deer chased by dogs, wandering like sheep deserted by the shepherd. Those, verse 15, those who don't run will be butchered. 16, their little children will be dashed to death against the pavement right before their eyes. Their homes will be sacked and their wives raped by the attacking hordes. For I will stay up are you there with me? Verse 17. Are you there with me? I will stir up with people the maidens against Babylon. And no amount of silver or gold will buy them off. The attacking armies will have no mercy on the young people of Babylon or the babies or the children. Living Bible. Did you get that? So he said, this is God's judgment or this is the day of the Lord against which people? Babylon, he described what was going to happen, but thereafter he said, when I want to do this, I want to stir up a people. Who are these people? The Medes. And it's like saying, the kind of spirit these people will carry, like I said, not a silver or gold will buy them off. You know what, you can bribe them for executing what they want to do. 
You together. You can bribe them. You can turn them off. Because they are coming from the Lord. It is the Lord that is sending them. The day of the Lord came to Babylon. God used the Medes to execute his word against the people of Babylon. I want you to understand this thing so that even as we are going to go to the New Testament, you should be able to see and have a clear understanding when God begins to speak about the day of the Lord. Because most often, we read these words and we just believe. And people even tell you, it's tomorrow. Get ready. Hallelujah. I remember reading a poster one time. It said, restless preacher. And uh, be ready because the Lord is coming soon. And then he tried to give dates as to when the Lord was going to come. They don't understand how soon or what the word soon really means. A contest as to where the scripture is being ripped from, where they are picking it from. They don't understand what it means. Hallelujah. So we see that this is a common pattern all through the scriptures when you read about the word, the day of the Lord. It speaks of the punishment and destruction of nations by God. Amen. Now when you have this background, like I'm saying, it becomes easy for you to grasp when you are reading the New Testament even and you come across the word, the day of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's look at another example again. Praise the Lord. Oh. Let's get on to Ezekiel 18. Another simple example on this world, day of the Lord, Ezekiel 18. Praise God. I'm looking at verse 4. This is actually the day of the Lord in relation to Jerusalem, Israel. Ezekiel 13 verse 4. The Bible says, O Israel, thy prophets are like foxes in the desert. Verse 5. You have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand at the battle. In what? In the day of the Lord. Amen. In other words, there is nothing you are going to do to preserve the city. Praise the living God. Nothing. To prevent the day of the Lord from occurring, there is nothing you are going to do. Now, this day of the Lord was to occur some four years after Ezekiel made this prophecy. And that was the destruction of Jerusalem in 587 B.C. Hallelujah. And it was basically the result of Israel's apostasy from God. Right? The sin against God in the sense of deviating from the mind of God, from the instructions of God. And God brought this day of the Lord upon them in 587 B.C. And of course, he used the Babylonians to do this. To execute this particular day of the Lord. It was the Babylonian armies that he used, the Chaldeans, that he used to bring that destruction, 587 BC. That was the day of the Lord on Jerusalem. Amen. Hallelujah. Basically, God was speaking to them not to hear false prophets. He was warning them to stay away from false prophets who give them false hope. And turn them to the Lord, turn them to the word of the Lord, but they will not listen. So God released the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, to come to them, give the destruction in AD, I mean, 587 BC. That was before Christ. Now, if you just have this understanding that the word day of the Lord has always been there, it becomes easy for you to understand because all you need to do is to follow what happened, the pattern. We have already said that the Old Testament is a shadow of the new. Is that alright? But you must always find your answers from the old as well. The new fulfills the old. But so if you can find it in the old, of course, you can also find it in the new. 
Hallelujah. Let's get to Ezekiel 30, and I'm showing, going to show you here the day of the Lord on Egypt. I'm showing you two nations now, or three. Day of the Lord on Babylon, day of the Lord on Jerusalem, then day of the Lord on Egypt. I want to show you. Ezekiel 30, verse 2 to 3. Praise the Lord. I want to read for a simpler translation also, not the King James this time. Just read from the... NIV, I mean, Living Bible. Let me read from Living Bible. Are you there? Let's get 30. Let's first of all look at verse 1. Uh, okay, let's from 2. From 2 down. Let me just read them from verse 2 down to verse 5, and then we'll jump to verse 10. That will be okay for us to get this right. Look at it. Son of dust. Or like saying son of man, Okay. Prophesy and say, the Lord says, weep for the terrible day is almost here. The day of the Lord, a day of clouds and of gloom, a day of despair for the nation. A sword shall fall on where? Come on, are you there with me? A sword shall fall on Egypt, the slain shall cover the ground, her wet is taken away, her foundations destroyed, the land of Cush shall be ravished. For Cush, Pod, Lud, Arabia, and Libya, and all the countries linked with them shall perish in that war. Now go to verse 10. Hallelujah. For the Lord God says, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, will destroy, are you see there? The multitudes of Egypt. He and his armies, the terror of the nations, are sent to demolish the land. They shall war against Egypt and cover the ground with the slain. I will dry up the Nile and sell the whole land to wicked men. I will destroy Egypt and everything in it, using foreigners to do it. I, the Lord, have spoken it. Can you get that? Praise the living God. Did you see it? God is saying, I'm going to use foreigners to destroy the land of Egypt. All your business, all your wealth, I'm going to break it down. But what did he refer to that? The day of the Lord. Hallelujah. And this took place in 572 B.C. By the recital that I made. In 572 B.C., Egypt was destroyed by Babylon and the armies that came. There was no way Egypt could even rally around other nations to assist. Why? Because it was God that was sending Babylon. I read to you, I think, a few weeks ago, how God called Nebuchadnezzar what? His servant. He can use him to accomplish anything. And right here we'll find that when God says he's coming to you in the day of the Lord, he used people to do that. He said, I'm going to use foreigners to do it. Hallelujah. So we find that it was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, in 572 BC. And that was how the word of the Lord that came towards Egypt was accomplished. So like I said, the day of the Lord is a pronouncement against a nation and God uses it's a doom day. It's a destructive day. And God uses people, most of them foreign armies or foreign nations, to accomplish what he wants to do. Hallelujah. Amen. So we find that here again when we talk about the day of the Lord. It was executed by pagan human armies to destroy the nations that a prophecy was sent to. Here the prophecy was to which nation? Was to Egypt. And what did God do? He picked Nebuchadnezzar to accomplish that. And when we read in the book of Isaiah 13, the prophecy was against Nebuchadnezzar. What did he do? He picked the message to do that. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Now that will begin to take you right away to the New Testament. Now when the day of the Lord was pronounced against Jerusalem, what did God do? He picked the Roman soldiers to accomplish it. Very easy. Is it making sense? Let's look at something again uh, in relation to northern Israel. When I use the word northern Israel, you need to understand because Israel in the day of Rehoboam was divided into two. How many of you remember that? 
Good. Judah and then Israel. Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Okay? And the Jeroboam camp eventually became, what do you have, the Samarians, who they fell left Israel and became the enemies of Israel in the sense that he joined himself to other warships and so. Um, and in fact, that is one of the things the Bible says, I'm sent to the lost house of Israel. How many of you have read that in the Bible? Good. What Jesus was saying is, I'm sent to Samaria people. They are part of the kingdom of God, but they left at the time of Jeroboam. So when he said, I'm sent to the lost house of Israel, the lost sheep of Israel, he was referring to the Samaritans. <laughs> are you getting that? Now when you read the Bible, you need to be able to get some little bit of history to catch up with exactly what Jesus was doing. You know, tell somebody to tell you, what do you mean, lost heart of Israel? He will tell you, he's talking about somebody who's not in faith or somebody. No, Jesus' practical ministry was primarily to reconcile the kingdom of God, which was supposed to be Israel, and to establish God's kingdom by bringing the Jews and the Gentiles together at the end of the day. Right? Hallelujah. And that is why I discovered now the other one, an instant when his face was unto uh, Jerusalem, he didn't want to come into Samaria, and then they wanted to kill him at that point. Remember that? Good. And then the disciples, they said, I want to prepare to receive it. The disciples said, permit us to call fire to consume these people because they hated the Samaritans. They felt they were not part of the kingdom. <laughs> Alright, that's another story. Okay. Now, not a kingdom. Amos chapter 5. Book of Amos. The book of Amos, chapter number 5. Let's look at something, verse 18. There was a prophecy against another kingdom by prophet Amos. 18. Are you there? He said, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. The book of Amos. Can you get that? Oh. What does it mean, woe unto you? It should be a good thing to desire the day of the Lord because some people think, oh, when the day of the Lord comes, then we are gone. Amen? <laughs> so look at what he's saying. Woe unto you. It's a problem for you to desire the day of the Lord. Look at what he said. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Simple definition. If a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and laid his hand on the wall, and a serpent beat him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even if very dark and no brightness in it? Amen. Hallelujah. If you look at it from the NIV, it says, Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness and not what? Light. Praise the living God. So you see, Amos was a prophet of the northern kingdom of Israel, like I said before, although he was from Judah. Here he was prophesying the doom of Israel, during what seems like a time of peace and security. His prophecy was from God. However, and then the sinful people of Israel were destroyed and taken captive by the Assyrians in 721 BC. That was about 40 years later, after that prophecy. 721 BC, the Assyrians came, destroyed the place, took them into captivity. 721 BC, in the fulfillment of the prophecy of Amos. Praise the living God. Are you following? We're talking about the day of the Lord. Amen. Now, go to verse 27. Of Amos chapter 5, verse 27. Amos 5, 27, look at what it says. Therefore will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. He's bringing the fulfillment now of that prophecy. And like I said, he's using the Assyrians to do this. So, Get the point right. Anytime God speaks about the day of the Lord, He's talking about a kind of judgment that's coming to a nation, and then He picks a foreign nation to come and execute His plans. 
Go to Amos chapter 6 verse 14. Amos 6 verse 14. Look at what it says. But behold, I will raise up against you a nation, O house of Israel. Can you get that? Say the Lord, the God of hosts. And they shall afflict you from the entering in of Hamath unto the river of the wilderness. Praise the living God. What did he say he was going to do? He will raise up what? A nation. What did I say that nation was supposed to be? The Assyrians. That particular nation were the Assyrian people that God used. Violent and very evil, cruel people. Right? They executed the day of the Lord upon Israel. With regards to the prophecy of Amos. Don't forget what we're dealing with. Prophetic languages and apocalyptic literature. How these things are fulfilled. You can't truly read the scriptures without this understanding for you to accurately discern what God is saying at a particular time. God will not say the day of the Lord by Amos in that faraway days and you'll be reading the day of the Lord until today. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Now this prophecy, like I said, was 40 years after Amos made that word to the northern Israel. And God used the Assyrians to execute this. And you know, as like when Amos gave this prophecy, there was what seems like peace. Right? Security was around. There was no problem one bit. But God was saying, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. Basically, this word that Amos gave was supposed to sound as a warning to turn the people away from the life they were living before. And that is why if you read the story, the Bible now said, the people came to Amos and said, we don't want your prophecy anymore. And Amos said, what do you mean? Come to think about it. I'm not a prophet. My father is not a prophet. God just called me. I'm just taking care of my sycamore trees and things like that. God brought me in. So I have to speak what God gave to me. I didn't beg to be a prophet. I was not prepared for this. But this is what God has asked me to say. So 40 years time, the Assyrians came. Everything Amos said came to pass. The day of the law was executed. 721, I mean, BC, by the Assyrians. Amen? Now with that from the Old Testament, can we jump to the New Testament? <laughs> Let me give you some lights on the New Testament. These are keys, that's why I use the word keys to understanding apocalyptic literature. I'm just giving you keys. Having said this, you can find time to study yourself so that when you're reading the Bible, you come across well like day of the Lord, that you know exactly what God is talking about, to whom is the same. Try to find out. Hallelujah. The time frame. Try to find out. Okay. No, no, no. We must begin to understand also that when the word day of the Lord is used, like we find in the Old Testament, it's in the same pattern that you can find where? In the New Testament. God having changed. Hallelujah. I'm also for when God used this world, He uses them for the people that haven't gotten understanding of their language before now. So for instance, the Jewish man, the day of the Lord is nothing new to him. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Because God was using the prophet to use that word. So it was a common word. So that anytime a prophet comes out to say the day of the Lord, people already know trouble was coming. It is for us who do not understand. But for the Jewish man, they have an understanding. Because he must use it, as he can use it, Isaiah used it. Against all nations that we're talking about. So for the average Jewish man, especially when Jesus uses such languages, they readily understand. Now you begin to see later as we are going on, that is where uh, Peter was writing, I'm talking about the markers. The markers, you say, where be the day of the Lord, that he said. Are you getting it now? Good. So what was he saying? Because remember, Peter was writing to the Jews in diaspora. That were scattered all over the world. Read the book there. 
First Peter chapter 1, and then chapter 1, just keep on reading now, you see, talking about those in Cappadocia, those media, is that okay? Right, the Jews in the diaspora. So, he was saying, because Jesus said this thing is going to happen, and they are saying, well, where is that thing that the Lord said is going to happen? Because it took another 40 years for those things to come to pass. Just like Amos' prophecy on Jerusalem, I mean in Israel, took another 40 years before the Assyrian came. So within that period, you know what that means? A child that is born today grows to become 40, and they said, destruction is coming. Of course, you must see people come out to say, what do you mean? We were born, our father died, and I'm already 30 something years old, and he said, destruction is coming. Where is it coming from? That is what you know, emanated the issue of the mockers that are saying, the scoffers or the mockers that are saying, where does the promise of his coming? The promise of his coming is not Jesus coming again, it was the coming for destruction. So when he said, where be the promise of his coming, he was not talking about Jesus coming to take his people. Peter was warning. Amen. And that is why they get confused when they say this like a thousand years, a thousand years, like one day. They don't have an understanding about that. Time will not permit us to share on that now, but some other time we do with that. But you know, Peter took his own language from the book of Psalm 90. It was Moses that said that. So Peter was quoting Moses. What he was trying to say is, man's period of existence is very short. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're talking about a thousand years in the sense of what we look at. Time permit, we'll deal with that. What, what, what do you mean by the millennium and things like that? But let's get down to the book of Acts chapter 2. Let's look at a few things here. On the day of Pentecost, Peter came down. I begin to make this statement. Uh, let's look at Acts chapter 2. And then, um, by the way, understand that the book of Acts was written in AD 62, between AD 62 and 63. Right? So if Jerusalem fell in AD 70, how many years before the fall of Jerusalem? Come on, are you done with me? Okay, between some 8 and 7 years, am I right? Approximately, I could say about 10 years. That's when the book of Acts was written. Is that alright? Okay. Now look at that. Verse 20, Acts 2, let's look at verse 20. 20 and then maybe... Uh, Okay, perhaps I'll start from 19. Let me start from 19. 19, 20, and then 21. Just that. Look at what he says. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. I think I've explained this in the previous studies. How many of you remember that? Okay. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. Are you getting that? The great and notable day of the Lord come. What do you think he's talking about here? Judgment. Look, look at verse 21. That gives you the understanding. And it shall come to pass that whoever, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved from what? From that judgment that is coming. Peter was speaking in relation to what Jesus said in Matthew 24. I mean, Paul was speaking here. I think it's Peter here that was speaking, not even Luke yet. Because you know, Luke actually is the one that wrote the book. But Peter's, Peter's language, Peter's sermon, Peter's, uh, you know, right? Are you there with me? So verse 21 gives you the key. They that shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's not talking about you. Peter was simply trying to say, hey, look, you Jewish people listening to me, you better start believing in what the Lord said. You better be, come repenting. You better come knowing who the Lord is and believe in the prophecies of God. Otherwise, that judgment of the great and notable day of the Lord shall come upon you in a ways. And that is what Paul was writing. He said, the day of the Lord shall come like what? A thief. When the people are not prepared for it. That's what it means. Thief moves when people are not prepared. So he's talking about destruction that comes to Jerusalem when they were least what? Prepared. That's what he means, coming like a thief. Does he come to you like a thief? 
In fact, if you start reading the book of 1 Thessalonians, he said, you are not in the dark, but you are in the day. What means that that day will not come on you, what? On our ways. Talking about the believers. So if the day will not come unto you on unawares, it simply means you believe what Jesus said and you can get yourself prepared to escape when the trouble is coming. But for those who will scoff, where is the day of his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? The Bible says it comes unto them as what? Like a thief. That's what it means. So it's not saying look up there and be saying Jesus will come one day like a thief. It's not saying that. Hallelujah. I'm sure these are not too hard for you, are they? Are you getting an understanding at all? Praise God. So it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Saved from what? That notable day of the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Now, move down just a little bit, just to let us see a little bit that this is not talking about something in the future. Look at verse 16. Go back a little bit to verse 16 of our chapter 2. Peter, still speaking, says, But this is that which was spoken by prophet Joel. How many of you remember that? And so you go to Joel chapter 2, you begin to see all of that. Let me tell you, all those things refer to as locusts and whatever. They are just describing the armies of Israel. God was saying, I'll power my spirit, and we believe that. But we don't see the locusts. We refer locusts to what some devils have eaten in your life. He's not talking about that because you find the same locusts in the book of Revelation. Amen? You can use that. All the things that Palm and Wall are eating, the caterpillars are eating, whatever. No, remember what the Bible says. It said they are going to be like an army, and behind them was going to be arches. In other words, as they destroy, they are not looking back. He said they can climb walls. He was describing the Roman soldiers. <laughs> and this is what you find in Acts chapter 2. So Peter was making reference to that. That this is what is going to happen. But they that you believe in the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. So all of this event in Acts chapter 2, I mean Joel chapter 2, reading from 28 to 32, were fulfilled in AD 70. All those locals on the Pama one, whatever, they were all supposed to be referring to the armies. This great army that is running and all of that. What are they referring to Roman soldiers? Amen? So, two things were happening here. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit and then the invasion of the armies. Did you get that? Praise the living God. This is when the apostles receive all the gifts. Great things begin to happen. Mighty miracles. All of those things preceded the event of the great and notable day of the Lord. That's what the Bible is saying. So all of those things, power in heaven, blood, smoke, fire, talking about the mind, the energy that was going to flow in the life of the apostles. Thereafter, thereafter you have the notable day of the Lord. Amen. And so, verse 21, like we read before, say, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. So, we find that all Christians who believe and know the signs that Jesus spoke about in uh, Mighty 24, and then they listen to what Jesus said, they all flee from the war zone. And then they were physically saved from that destruction. It's not talking about they that call upon the Lord that be saved in terms of salvation. That is not primarily what we're dealing with. You can apply it, but we're talking about those who escape. From those things that were going to come upon Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Mm. So you can also apply it if you will, like I said before, yesterday, today, and forever. So spiritually fine, we can also be escaped from any form of judgment that could come upon the land as we believe in the name of the Lord. Amen. But let me show you one scripture that we also Help you out here. First Corinthians. First Corinthians and the book of Corinthians was written between AD 57 and 58. And that's how many years back to AD 70? Some 20, 18 years, thereabout. Okay? Right? 17, 18 years before the fall of Jerusalem. 
That's when the book of Corinthians was written. I want us to go to First Corinthians. Um, look at verse chapter one, and then look at verse number eight. Chapter one, verse number eight. Look at what it says. So that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not in relation to Jesus is coming to pick you up. Is that alright? Hallelujah. So, what I want to point out here primarily is that the day of the Lord is associated with the coming or revealing of Christ. And basically, I would say in the war that was coming to the people. Okay? Now let me show you something so that you can pick it up right. First Corinthians 7. Don't forget the dating. 57-58 was when First Corinthians was written. Look at chapter 7, First Corinthians 1, so that you can tie it up and see precisely what I mean. Hallelujah. Are you there? Look at verse 26. I suppose, therefore, Paul is writing, writing concerning marriage and stuff like that. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. What he's saying is, it's even better for a man not to get married. Is that all right? And he gave the reason because of the trouble that was on. Now, look at verse 27. As thou bound unto a wife, seek not to be loose. As thou loose from a wife, seek not a wife. What do you mean by this? Remember what Jesus said in the book of Luke. And he said, that day shall be such a terrible day that it's going to be trouble for pregnant women. I mean, if you remember that, okay. Trouble for nursing mothers and then pray that it's not going to be on the Sabbath. Remember that? Okay. Same language that he's using here. Because of the trouble that is coming, it's better you're not married because if you're married, you'll be thinking about your wife. <laughs> Are you getting that? It's going to be trouble for you to run with your wife. If you are free like me, take a bicycle, get to the bush, you are free, you are safe. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> are you see what I'm saying now? Even if you can't get anything to cross the border, just enter the bush, you hide yourself. But if you have children, you have a wife, it's going to be a terrible time. That's what he's trying to say. Okay, watch this. Verse 28. But if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such you have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is what? Come on now. Are you there in your Bible? Mm-hmm. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they have none. And they that weep as though they weep not. And they that rejoice as though they rejoice not. And they that buy as though they possess not. Praise the living God. The time is short. He wasn't announcing to you per se. <laughs> what time? Like I said, that was some 18, 17 years before the fall of Jerusalem. The time is short. The trouble is coming. So, prepare yourself to live in such a way that, you know the word, do not, do not behave like the people of the days of Noah. Who were eating and drinking. They were not mindful of what was going to happen because they didn't believe what Noah was saying. That's what Paul is trying to say here. Amen. So Paul is trying to say, well, there's nothing wrong in possessing special gifts, gift of the Spirit, while they were waiting for the great day of the Lord. Amen. So come back, I will be revealing judgment to the Jewish nation. They themselves be confirmed or confirmed to the end. In other words, they will be established not only in the gift of the Spirit, but in the truth of the Father that He is coming and they know how to prepare themselves. Amen? So the coming of the Lord in that sense is not to take away people, but we was talking about a judgment that was going to come to the Jewish nation as well. Does it make sense? Is the Bible making sense to you? Praise the living God. Now that takes you to First Thessalonians. I'm just going to read this, but 
you, you have to be able to complete that yourself. We don't have time again. We're finished. But I just want to wrap this up tonight. Uh, let me look at this a little bit. First Thessalonians 5, look at verse 2. Now, First Thessalonians was written in AD 50, between AD 50 and 51. And that's how many years to AD 70? About 18 years again. Amen? Amen? So 19 to 18 years before the fall. First Thessalonians 5, verse number 2. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like what? Like a thief in the night. He didn't say the Lord is going to come in the night. Huh? Come on. Are you getting what I'm talking about? The day of the Lord will come like what? Like a thief in the night. He didn't say the day of the Lord is going to come in the night. You know, so people associate all of this to... Oh, come on. The night thing. You know what I'm talking about? The night thing. The midnight cry. The midnight cry. You know? <laughs> when the midnight cry will come. He said, no, he's going to come like a thief. In the night. Amen? Okay. We need to understand the language of like. It's like saying, like in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah. Is that all right? Okay, let me bring it this way again. The Bible says, the devil is like a roaring lion. Okay? But you know what? The devil is not a lion. But he acts like a lion. Is that alright? Good. Um, so here the Bible says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. What does that mean? It's an event that occurs unexpectedly. That's all. <laughs> Amen? Thief doesn't knock on your door. It's only today we have thieves who are very bold. They will even you know, print posters and, and put them on the street. We are visiting this street next week. Uh, you get yourself ready. You know, early thief doesn't behave that way normally. Are you getting what I'm talking about? So thieves are, you know, they represent events that happen unexpectedly. So, he is saying the day of the Lord will come to Israel unexpectedly. Amen. So in the true sense, if you want to talk about the day of the Lord. No, the way they put it is for us is, the day of the Lord here means Israel can come unexpectedly. So, are you prepared? Are you ready? <laughs> How prepared are you? We are talking of the urgency of the coming of the Lord. Are you getting what I'm talking about? And it comes unexpectedly. How about the last meeting we had in Benin? It was crazy, man. Hey. This guy was just blasting the whole stuff from Mighty 25 of the 10 virgins. How prepared are you? Come Sunday night. Nobody Bible said that parable. It was even a parable. Right? Matthew 25, he said, the parable, and it was like, the kingdom of God is like ten virgins. It was about the kingdom. It was not about a coming. Hallelujah. You can tie that up to Matthew 13. The kingdom of God is like, you know, the garden has wheat and tars. It's the same thing. Wheat and tars. Five foolish virgin, five wise virgin. Just the same thing. But man, we not see it. Because the mind is based on sooner, very soon. It's coming in the night. And when the trumpet sound, are you ready? No problem. This one have nothing to do with that. This is the day of the Lord. And it was a judgment day on the people and Paul said we are not in darkness we are of the day he says so that day will not take you unawares it's so simple praise the living God that day will not take you unawares he's talking about Jerusalem destruction he's talking about a force that will come upon that nation 
In AD 70, and he was saying, why people are saying, peace, peace, then sudden destruction, verse 3. Hmm? And they will not be able to escape. Look at verse 3. It's there. It's the same thing that Amos prophesied before 721 BC. There was relative peace all over the place. Security was kind of there. And it was saying, the day of the Lord is coming. Judgment is coming. And the Assyrians were going to come. Forty years after that, they came. So here Paul is also saying, where do we say peace, peace, and then what? Sudden destruction. We're speaking to a people. What are you talking about you? Amen. The same language you find. And, and if you look at that and you say, and they will not do what? Escape. Same thing you find in the book of Matthew 24. All of those places you can read. But verse 4 said, But ye brethren are not in darkness, that it should overtake him as a thief. Overtake you as a thief. You are not in darkness. You know. You know the signs that were given. You know everything Jesus spoke about. He said, when you see the armies come past Jerusalem, know that the day is what? It's now. Say, escape for your life. That's what Paul is saying here now. You are not in darkness. You are in the day. So that day can overtake you what? Like a thief. Hallelujah. You take time to read the book of Second Thessalonians. I will not have time to go to all of that. Second Thessalonians 2. Just try to read it. And then Second uh, Peter 3, 10 to 12. And then read all of that. And so you'll be able to see precisely what the day of the Lord is all about. It has to do with the day of judgment. It's a prophetic language. And it's, it's a word that God uses for nations in particular. You can apply it to individuals fine. We're talking about application. But... In the true sense of the use of the word based on the particular scripture, the word is used, and the people that was making reference to the day of the Lord had nothing to do with Jesus floating from the sky in the night to take away people. It has to do with God coming in judgment. And anytime God is coming in judgment, in that, in that sense, he uses all that nations. He uses foreign nations to invade that nation and destroy that nation. So when a prophecy came and talked about the day of the Lord, we are talking about the doom, prophetic word that is coming to a particular nation. And God is using other nations as his own army to execute that judgment on the particular nation that the prophecy is coming into. Amen? Did you catch anything tonight? God bless you. Thank you.